Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. How does that sound to you? Those radio play-by-play calls, Texans, Chiefs, we're on the eve of the season. Ready to go. And and the the beauty of it is I get to see highlights when it's over. You know, I get to see, uh, I guess it will probably be Neil and Stan out west by the time the game is over. Yep. Right? I mean, we're on last night. Yep. Yeah. So you would see the highlights of of Deshaun or highlights of Pat Mahomes throwing to Tyreek Hill. You know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Exciting. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. All of our yes. guests will join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including Paul Feinbaum, who will be here in 10 minutes to weigh in on a very curious decision made by Oklahoma head football coach Lincoln Riley. If you haven't heard about that, hang tight. We'll talk about it with Paul now in just nine minutes. He's getting a lot of eyebrows being raised for the decision he's made down in Norman. The decision to play the NFL season is one that did not come lightly. The NFL does have a chief medical officer, Jay, and Dr. Alan Sills, and right now it's all systems go. Earlier this morning, we were joined by Dr. Myron Roll, who played in the NFL, played at Florida State, was a Rhodes Scholar, and is a current resident at Massachusetts General Hospital, and he essentially told us we are completely losing sight of our priorities if we're deciding to go with the NFL tomorrow night. The idea that a pandemic, COVID-19, is being used as sort of a political tool to divide people on one side or the other, when the medical community, people in my hospital, people who have been on the front lines, have been working incredibly hard to expeditiously find vaccines, therapeutic regimens to kind of thwart this disease, where providers have been taking care of people in the ICU and acute care setting. The medical community has been doing its job, but unfortunately, COVID-19 has been used as sort of like this play tool to sort of divide people on different sides. And then again, you have the NFL that in the business of making money wants to continue this product. So I think they're going to try to do everything they can to keep the season going. But I've been skeptical from the beginning. I think it's going to be dangerous. I think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be completed. That's just my conservative medical opinion. And unfortunately, the collateral damage is going to be players, coaches, staff, family members. We're all going to suffer from it. I think we should just pause, allow this pandemic to be curbed, and continue to allow the medical community and the wonderful researchers and the brilliant minds who are at the front line trying to get and sort this thing out the opportunity to do so. By the way, he said that's his conservative mm. medical opinion. Right. That he doesn't think we're going to finish the season. So it's, um, I, I just think it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, once again, uh, with the social climate, what will NFL players choose to to do as it relates to the anthem? How will they protest? Will things like that carry on? Will they carry on the conversation? Is a question key that both you and I have talked about. And then how will you finish completions of, of, of seasons, you know, with COVID and everything happening right now, obviously, you know, contact tracers and things of that sort. Um, you want to make sure that you can contain it as quickly as possible. Um, but, you know, Myron brings up a very valid point about the collateral damages of just not players, coaches and staff, but family members as well. If players do catch COVID, we've already seen that to a degree. Yeah. And, and I think that the message will continue to be sent out by the players. Now, how they make a decision to to protest while they're playing, I don't know what that's going to mm-hmm. be, but I can guarantee you it's going to they're going to do it. I mean, it's just what it is. I mean, they, they realize what we're, what's at stake here. In terms of the, the COVID situation, you know, I've always been against playing, much like Dr. Monroe said. Let's just let this thing play out so we can get all the information going and we could attack it the way we need to when the vaccines come or whatever the case may be to figure out what can cure this. 
much like he said, the NFL is about making money. So obviously they have a doctor that is there, a scientist that is there that understand it and know it. Meaning they work for the NFL. Dr. Sills. Yeah. Dr. Sills. So, you know, you, you, you look at that and you go, okay, the information that the doctors with the NFL are given must give it as given it to some degree it's okay to do certain things if you did all the check all the boxes, much like Myron Rose said about fans being in the stands. If you check this and you check that box and it's this, 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 a long laundry list of things, it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, though, right? Lot. I mean, it's a lot of stuff to go right. To Everything's got to go right. It's got to continue. It has to continue to go right because, as we seen yesterday, uh, I forgot the exact number, but it was a, a, a large number of test and I think it was only one positive that came back. Now this is before teams are traveling and a lot of moving, moving around and things of that nature over the next couple of weeks. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, I want to, I want to be the first to say that I want to see football back on television. I wish I could see it in person, mm-hmm. but I'm also afraid of what might happen. You know, that, that, that's the part that gets me is I don't know not only in the short term, but in the long term effects of what could happen. Well, the thing that gets confusing about it too, Key, is the fact that we're getting into these colder months. We're getting into right, fall. Right. You know, that's when colds happen. That's when sniffles happen. You get into flu season. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think that that is when it starts to get really, really tricky for all the travel and the frigid conditions that you end up playing in. And, and what's so crazy is like I asked uh, Dr. Rowe when he was on with us, we do all this other stuff outside of sports, right, Z? We, and my wife brought this up the other day. She goes, she goes, she goes, we're sitting right here on the edge with no mask on eating, and we're right on the edge because we're sitting out, you know, on the street basically, mm-hmm. but there's people walking by us. Right. And yeah. so it's like. No masks. No mask on. <laughs> and we're sitting. And so it's like, okay, hmm. And she had a point. She goes, with, and then. There's silverware, not plastic, and who knows if the dishwasher is really washing them at the level that he needs to. So it's like you get all this sort of communication in your brain start to think, what ifs? You know, and so you just kind of, I guess, hope and pray for the best. It's the, Jay, it's the six words that everybody are using. We're resigned to this learning to live with it, right? I mean, we this is not going away anytime soon, so we've got to adjust. We've used the word adjust this morning, mm-hmm. but all of us are just kind of learning to live with it now. I, yeah, no, I, look, I, I hear you. I mean, it, it doesn't stop me from going out into the world. I try to be as judicious as possible. Um, but, it, you know, it just, it, the same situations that Key just alluded to, like it kind of has you walking on, on pins and needles to, to, to a degree, right? It has you walking on, on eggshells, excuse me. And like, that's the thing that kind of makes it confusing. You, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. You can try to be as prudent or judicious as possible. And I know people that have been, but still caught COVID, right? Um, yeah, no, no question about it. So, Just, but think about it, though. I'm sitting at a restaurant on a crowded street. Right. And I'm on the edge, and people are walking past me with no mask. And you're sitting there, and you're saying, okay, things could be in the air. Who knows what it is? 
we're going through elevators. We're walking up and down the streets. I got to pump gas. I got to touch the thing. Is it really, you know, they say, well, one minute it was the hands. And it was like, oh, don't worry about the hands. Right. It's the cover your mouth. And it's like, okay, so when do we know and who do we learn from? Because every single medical expert has a different opinion. That's the question. Who do we learn from? Who do we learn from? And with the NFL, it's only going to be Dr. Sills. And what's interesting, too, is the corollary. When the NBA put out that 133-page manual, this is what you need to do to survive in the bubble, they also admitted you could be totally reckless, ignore every rule in the book, and not get the coronavirus. So you could follow every single rule. And still get it. And still get it. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, look what's happened in baseball. I mean, there have been teams that have gotten in baseball. They've had to stop. And then, you know, you quarantine for a while, then you get back in action. So I know football, there's exponentially more players on a football team. That's the one thing that makes it a little bit questionable because of the amount of people. But I'd rather follow the book (laughs) than not follow the book. I'll take my chances, follow the book before not. Yeah, and no cliff notes there. Read the entire book because it's your life that's on the line. It's our favorite time of the week, our favorite guest. He's been with us pretty much every single week. Paul Feinbaum, who's been covering the great sport of college football for 40 years, is joining us here on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. It's great to have him here uh, this morning. Paul, first things first, Lincoln Riley. All he does is pump out Heisman finalists, college football playoff appearances. Uh, but there might be a demerit here in the column. They open this week against Missouri State, does OU. And Coach Riley, I want you to listen to this real quick on exactly what he's planning to do with players that may be diagnosed with the coronavirus in terms of a public-private relationship. We're to the point now where we're playing games, um, and, and obviously any active case or contact trace is is, is going to have game repercussions. And so, you know, just like, you know, we would with an injury, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're just we made the decision to not broadcast that. I know we've been probably the most transparent school in the country up until then, but you don't want to give your compete or your team a competitive disadvantage. So we're not going to do that. Paul, what do you make of that? <laughs> well, you know, he's right about one thing uh, and only one thing. He has been one of the most transparent coaches <laughs> in the country. And that's what makes it so uh, utterly unbelievable that uh, he would do this type of U-turn and, you know, I understand competition. We all do. And, and I don't think a lot of coaches are going to be different if they, if they don't have to be. Dabo Sweeney has echoed his comments. But you know, it really sends the wrong message. And I'm not trying to be a public health official here. But, you know, he is trying to construct or, or correlate COVID to an ankle injury. And it's not. It's a, it's, it's a public health uh, concern uh, of, of epic proportion. It's a global pandemic. I don't think anybody needs me to say that after what we just got through hearing from, from Keyshawn eating on the streets. But the point is, uh, college football coaches, pro football coaches, coaches of all means, of all ages, are going to try to find a competitive advantage. And, and that's really the concern here, uh, because who knows what is going to go on over these next four months. Coaches are already complaining about contact tracing. Uh, uh, Lincoln said it the other day that he had a player missed almost 28 days of practice and he never tested positive. So as a result, you're going to hear college coaches say, you know, any way I can get around this, I am going to find a way around it. Paul, let me ask you this, though. So Lincoln said that and he equated it basically, like you said, to an ankle injury. Now, being a player, I don't want to disclose my injuries for whatever reasons, because I don't want people tugging on me or whatever the case is. This is something totally different, like you said. Do you think, 
and, and this is just me, that he doesn't want to disclose it because he still wants to keep the player playing? Or is it so that no one can get an advantage on them? Yeah, I think it's a lot of that. And, and, and the one thing we don't know yet, and I mean, every time I talk to a, a league official, they talk about the protocols, but there's so many interpretations of these protocols. Tennessee the other day uh, did, not have a pra- uh, did not have a scrimmage because 44 players were out. They all didn't have COVID. Very few of them did. Guess what? Monday they had a practice. Most of those guys were back. So I don't really know what's going on. I do know that the, the contact tracing is, is driving coaches crazy right now because, you know, we are now in the season. Uh, you know, and, and what I mean by that is everyone won't play for two weeks, but we're now in the moment where if you start getting cases, uh, it's going to affect you. And I think we saw a little bit of that key on Monday night where, I mean, we saw just an awful football game on the side of, of Navy. And the reason why is they, they, didn't, they didn't do any hitting. Uh, they, they were very protective of their players and it, and it quite frankly boomeranged on them. And, and, and I just don't know. And I, I really am at a loss for words and, and I don't want to just throw this blanket over all of college football. But I, I think there, there are plenty of opportunity for coaches to take advantage of the situation. And we all four believe, I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think I can. Certain coaches will. You better believe it. Mm. Paul, oh, Wow. Wow the, wow, the fact that you acknowledge that is, uh, you know, shocking. Is, do you think – shouldn't the league or leagues have some kind of standardized protocol? Because you would think that they may not disclose it to their opponent, Paul, but they would still have to disclose it to the school, the university, correct? Like, shouldn't there be a university official yeah. kind of mandating and kind of watching over all this? Jay, here's where college football is on its own island. <laughs> the NCAA has a, a, an advisory committee, which means nothing. Uh, and every college, every conference, uh, in this case, the Power Five are, are, the, are the key, the three of the Power Five that are still playing, have their own protocols. And uh, they're not universal. I mean, I think within the leagues they are. And, and yes, there are, there are specific protocols, but they're also interpretive. And, and I think it's going to be up to the coach and the trainer and the medical staff to make certain determinations. And I am not ready to start making accusations, but Lincoln Riley gave us the, the first clue that this is a competitive game and you don't want to have, uh, you don't want to go up against Texas with half your team uh, back in Norman. And I'm not suggesting but, uh, in no way that Lincoln Riley would would put a player's uh, life in jeopardy or, or, or health in jeopardy. But, but, but I, I also know how a lot of these coaches feel about COVID. Uh, they look around, they see players getting it. They, they, you know, they, they have minimal problems, virtually no hospitalization. So they for, therefore, they look at it like it's, it's the cold. And, and I'm not here to say they're right or wrong. I have no earthly idea other than the same information that we all get every single day uh, all day, every day, but but that's uh, the ones I I have spoken to are not taking it as seriously as the public health officials. I can assure you. I don't know if I asked you this before, Paul, or not. But what will it take for one of these conferences to just shut it down? Like, what is it going to take? Yeah, I think we all know what it's going to take. It's going to take a a, a cataclysmic uh, episode, uh, and and and. You know, let's hope it doesn't happen. Uh, nobody wants to see uh, a player get in trouble. But, but Jay, you and Key have played sports for a long time, and you, you, you've either witnessed it personally 
or know someone who has a situation where a perfectly healthy uh, player ended up in very bad shape or, or maybe even worse. And because you just don't know the underlying conditions. And, and I think that's the scary part of this. I think we've had a pretty good run so far. And, uh, you know, the NFL, as, as you guys have noted, has, has really uh, been amazing. But as Key also said, they haven't gotten on a bus to go to the airport yet. And they haven't flown anywhere and they haven't spent the night in a hotel. And they've been very careful. Uh, but, but in college football, uh, it, it will take a bad episode. And, and I think if that happens, uh, there are a lot of college presidents who are going to call the AD and the, and the football coach and go, I, I, I told you so. Uh, we shouldn't have done this. And I think a lot of presidents are skeptical, but the, but the political pressure from below and from around uh, is immense. I, I heard the governor of, of Michigan today uh, in an interview saying that she agreed with the big, she's a big Michigan fan, but she agreed with the Big Ten because there, 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 are, politi- there are politicians in certain parts of the country who don't want to see anyone go anywhere. And then there are politicians and others who don't think it's a big deal to, to show up uh, uh, without a mask uh, and no social distancing. So it, the politics of your region are dictating what we are about to see. That's a very fair point. The governor of Michigan is Gretchen Whitmer. We should also mention the two Big Ten schools uh, in Michigan, Michigan and Michigan State, are both led at the very top by medical doctors. I don't think there's a coincidence there that they don't want to play college football right now. You can see Paul every weekday afternoon, 3 to 7 on the SEC Network and on the ESPN radio app. Paul, thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. All right, Paulie. Guys, always a pleasure. Thank you. You got it. So that is an important thing to note, as he said. Wow. Think about it from Gretchen Whitmer's perspective. The two state schools in her conference, in her state, both led by medical doctors. Okay, the bigger issue here I want to get to you with you guys is basically Paul saying what a lot of people are thinking, that essentially this is an end around by Riley and other coaches to potentially take advantage of the situation and turn this from an injury report into a public health crisis. Hey, you know, I just hope that that the coaches aren't using players that's positive so they can win games. I, I don't really – I mean, I understand what Paul was saying about the injury versus the COVID and, and using it like that. I get it. It's way far different. But I also understand how coaches think. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're always like, oh, somebody's watching somebody. They got the damn film, man. They can see everything you're doing. You're not changing your – Personnel or personnel may change, but you're not changing your scheme. This is what you're going to start the season with the same things that you've been running at Oklahoma since you took over as coach mm-hmm. or offensive coordinator for that matter. So I kind of understand what he's trying to do. I just hope that it's not about hiding the test results to keep a guy on the field in play. I just hope that that's not it. I pray that's not the case either as it relates to a competitive advantage. I get that. You don't have to disclose that to the other team. Uh, as long as you disclose it to your university. And to maybe right? to, and and to, to the players and on to, the team. And to the players on the team yeah. or the conference, uh, if they're the ones overseeing it. But we do live in a country where people push the boundaries all the time. We do. And I, I think we have to be realistic at this. And I, I hope that no coach does it. Um, but we also are talking about a lot of money on the line. Coaches who potentially are in contract negotiations or this year is maybe the last year of their deal. And we see people push the boundaries, push the limits all the time in facets of life. So as much as I hope that this doesn't happen, I'm also going to be a realist and understand that 
the chances of it happening are fair. A- absolutely. Are fair, you got to be real with it. And like Paul was saying, you know, as, as, as hard as it may sound, there are going to be coaches that do some things that make you scratch your head, which is putting guys out there that may have a positive result so they can win the game, which is the wrong thing to do. It clearly is the wrong thing to do. But as far as game planning and like that, they got the film. I mean, <laughs> what are you really hiding? I mean, I used to always say that to my coaches when they were so worried about, oh, you don't leave your playbook here. Somebody might – like, dude, they don't know our they, – they got, they've got to break down in a short time span everything that we're doing. Plus, they got to match it with the film to even be able to understand what we're doing. They got the film. They can see what we're doing. It's so panicky and paranoid. Football coach, I don't know about basketball, but football coaches are the – oh, man, they're so paranoid. Well, there, there is a, there are a couple of players out that maybe you think you're preparing for and you change up your scheme could be somewhat different. It, it Right? You're well, preparing to play one set of players and all of a sudden those players aren't playing. Certain, in certain situations, if I'm playing against a read option quarterback and then all of a sudden everything is out of the shotgun, that can change to a degree. But it won't take – it doesn't take but that minute, this minute in a game to realize, oh, that guy's not playing. Hmm. It's just like that, Jay. Oh, yeah. he's not playing. Jay Williams is now guarding Keyshawn. Uh-oh, he's in trouble. Ah, here you go again. <laughs> Two athletes can never <laughs> let it go. Can never let those playing days go. We should also mention. Get off my court. lawn. <laughs> the old man, get off my lawn. We should also mention this is part of the reason the Big 12 has gone out and said 53 guys, seven offensive linemen. If guys start dropping because of the COVID and guys have to be missing games and practices, they want to make sure that at least there's a minimum threshold out there before we play. You just can't go out there just because the game is scheduled. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We're all ready to go to try to figure out, as you guys have said a million times before, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance, and you just got to have somebody and hope for the best 
or upgrade. So we're going to have a little fun here with quarterbacks drafted from 2016 on. A couple mm-hmm. years in the system, right? So we don't have to make the snap judgment on them. So from 2016, 17, 18, and 19. A modicum of experience. Three to five years, if you will. We're going to run through these guys and we're going to buy or sell long term. Totally understanding sample size from some guys bigger than others. All right, fellas, here we go. Let's run it down. Buy or sell for the long term, beginning with Jared Goff of the Rams. I'm a, I'm a buy him. Took him to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you, Sean McVay's just got to kind of manage him a little bit, which he, he has done in the past, but I'm certainly buying him. I think he's a long-term solution for the Rams because not only the contract, what else are you going to find out there that's better? I would agree. I'm going to buy as well. Buy as well. So Jared Goff, despite all the criticism with the big contract, they are going bye-bye. Okay, now here's a big one. This is a big year for Baker Mayfield. Ooh. Fourth head coach in his third NFL season. Here we go. That's a lot to do. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to buy him. I'm not going to sell him. I'm going to put him on layaway. I want, <laughs> I want to see what Kevin Stefanski could do with him. Uh, just sit tight for a minute. It's still early. Obviously, with Freddie Kitchens and Todd Haley and, and – and, uh, who was the other coach? Oh, Hugh Jackson. They Hugh. didn't yeah. didn't work out the way that it should have. Yeah. Now you just want to see what Kevin Stefanski could do with him. No, no, Zubin. Don't let him change the rules of the game. <laughs> you pick there one? was no layaway option. <laughs> it was a buy or I don't know. Don't point towards your name being first on the name of the show, look, Keyshawn, look, look, Jay, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Jay. No, no. Are you buying or are you selling Baker Mayfield? Take a stance. No, no, no I am taking a stance. I explain. Uh, I explain that buy I'm or sell. I am putting him on layaway. And that's it. He's the worst. He's the worst to play the game with. I I would have to sell Baker considering what I saw last year. I know changes can happen for this year upcoming, but based upon last year, I have to sell. Okay, Jay playing by the rules. Thank you. Thank you. Buy or sell sell long-term. Go ahead. Sam Darnold. This is the same situation as Baker Mayfield. I don't think Adam Gase is a guy who – long-term is the answer who's supposed to be a quarterback whisper guy. So when you look at the Baker Mayfield situation, you say layaway. But I've seen enough of Sam, not only in college, but great things in the pros when not a lot of weapons around him. I'm buying him because I think the next head coach that comes in will understand what to do with him and get him some damn help at the receiver position. Now I'm confused. If layaway is an option, are you picking layaway or are you buying him? No, I'm Because you I'm said both him. in the same I'm, sentence. I'm, I'm buying him. Okay. I explained. I, I think with the talent that Sam Darnold has, the Jets have a lot of other issues, but the talent itself, I think you have to buy. Let's go with the other New York quarterback. And since you're a Giant fan, let's just flip the script and start with you for this one. Daniel Jones. I'm buying him. I'm buying him. I'm wearing a Duke jacket right now. I'm talking, as <laughs> Keith talks about the Lakers, I'm buying Daniel Jones. I, you know, look, is he as explosive out of the pocket as you would like for him to be? No, I know he's more of a quintessential quarterback, but the amount of TDs he threw for last year was spectacular. I know he threw for a lot of interceptions as well, mm-hmm. but with the talent, I'm buying. Selling him all day long. I don't think he's a, a long-term fit in the answer. They, they basically got an Eli Manning clone Eli is the champion of two Super Bowls. There's no question about it. But a lot of that heavy defense led the charge. And until they get a dominant defense like that, this style quarterback isn't going to pan out. A guy that makes you hold your breath in a good and bad way in the same snap, Josh Allen. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I buy Josh Allen. I I do because they have a dominant defense. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's a recipe for success at the quarterback spot. When you have a quarterback of this caliber, a guy that you don't necessarily depend on pushing the ball down the field 50 times a game. Accuracy is the main issue. 
but Kia, let me ask you, if a team didn't have a dominant defense, would you then buy Josh Allen? Probably not because Probably I would not. have it would be too much for him to do on the offensive side. Okay, all right, this one might be uh, the quickest and easiest one of all. No, sell, sell, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky. sell. So, right, so moving on at a discount, <laughs> at a discounted rate. Put it on layaway. Get to I want him to win. <laughs> I really, I want him to win. But but is he the sample size? Right, they declined to pick up the fifth year option. So you know what the team thinks about him in some ways. Kyler. Murray, Key. He's cute. <laughs> That's what Key calls him. He's cute. He's a cute I, quarterback. I'm, I'm going to sell Kyler Murray. I, I just think from a long-term standpoint, the offense, that their style, Cliff Kingsbury, will not have long-term success in the National Football League. Therefore, Cliff Kingsbury will be sent, he will be sent packing at some point in time. The new head coach will not like Kyler Murray, and then he'll be a bounce-around guy, and that's it. It's always interesting for me when I hear uh, I sit up here and I listen to you talk about football. You're like, oh, yeah, a lot of the league is transitioning to the same way that college plays the quarterback position and offensive schemes and those things. And then Cliff Kingsbury comes in in Arizona. You get DeAndre Hopkins. He signs on board. It's a big-time target for Kyler Murray. A, a rookie of the year, how do you not, how do you not buy that? Because you don't think it's long-term going to fit? Even think. though the, the, the metrics have proven to you that it does fit for the time being? No. It won't. You can't, Jay. You're going to put up numbers and you're going to win five games a year. Is that what you want? If you want to win, if you want to put up numbers and win five or six games a year, then go right ahead, keep him. But I mean, you you can't give credit to one quarterback for his defense and then take away the other quarterback for lack of defense, considering they haven't had the mindset of the coaches. The coach comes in, he doesn't want to inherit your problem, so he's not going to run your same system. He likes bigger quarterbacks. He likes a faster guy. Different. They you you rarely see coaches come in and hold on to a quarterback that had a whole bunch of question marks coming out. They just they have different values and different views. Think about it. Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski's already there, and and people are talking about well, just make a break for Baker. It's just that's just how this league is. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski, their first year head coach. Let's try to squeeze as many as we can. Drew Locke, four and one down the stretch buy last him. year. I'm gonna buy him. I'll buy him and because, again, that defense, even though they just lost Von Miller, that defense is retooling. I think that they felt they feel real comfortable about him. They went out and got him some other toys in the draft, two other receivers in the draft, um, along with Sutton. They got tied in. So I, I like it. They got running backs. Their offensive system is clicking, and I think they'll be okay. Mm. I, I would buy Drew Luck. Drew Luck, I, I still think it's going to be interesting to watch with Von Miller going out. Defense is still good defense, but – I think it's going to put a lot more pressure on him to perform offensively. We'll see him on the Monday night opener against the Titans on ESPN. It'll be the second game of the double dip. Drew Locke, by the way, from the Kansas City area as they one day try to chase down the Chiefs. The Broncos trying to do that. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Mako. Mako's ready to fix those dents, repair that collision damage, spray on a fresh coat of paint with online estimates, contactless service, and their best price guarantee. Man, I really Mako. wish we got to Jared Stidham. That would have been He sold. Jared Stidham is sold. Gordon Minshew sold. Dwayne Haskins, I'm going to buy him. Carson Wentz sold. Carson oh, Wentz come on. sold. Carson Wentz sold. Carson Wentz. That Prescott bought and Mason Rudolph. Is he still in the league? And how's he on the list? I think he's still there. Duck no, I, I, know, I know he's still in the league, but he's sold. Can't do nothing with him. Uh, speaking of sold, because this was sold, let me just quickly say, come to Mako and roll out refresh. Go to Mako.com to get started and find a shop near you. Uh-oh, that segment nearly turned into an auto. Uh-oh, better get Mako. Still to come. Yeah, we're talking about the guys that have dominated in the playoffs. Sure, we saw Lillard play great. We've seen LeBron play great. We've seen Kawhi and PG play great. 
But there's one guy out there that is synonymous with the playoffs that's played really well that no one's talking about. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tomorrow on the Shell Pennzoil Performance, I've loaded show, guys, right? We've got the start of the NFL tomorrow, college football in earnest. we got the ACC, and we got the Big 12 going. James Franklin, Penn State head coach, will join us. Lou Riddick will join us, part of the Monday Night Football crew. Texas head coach Tom Herman will be here. And wow. your, old ah, boom. your old partner, Chris Berman, will join us. And we are presented by Progressive Boomer. Insurance. Loaded, absolutely loaded Tomorrow. So obviously, Jay, look, LeBron's been great. All-time playoff wins leader. Anthony Davis has been great named to the all-defensive team. We've seen other great performances from the other L.A. team, a couple superstars they have in the bubble. But it's the reemergence of those two words, playoff. Rondo. Rondo. So I, I got to give a lot of credit to, to Rajon Rondo. You know, a couple of days ago when you watched the scheme that the Houston Rockets had, they did a breakdown on NBA countdown called he with us. Right. And that's what typically you say when somebody on the opposite team that you're playing with can't really shoot the ball. So when they catch the ball, a lot of players will yell, don't worry. He's, he's with us. Right. Saying like, <laughs> please shoot it. You're on our team. Wow, you're helping cold. us out. Right <laughs> now, the last two games, it's been more Russell Westbrook than game two was right. on the team of the Lakers. Right. But right. watching how Rondo commands the court, and watching how he plays, he gives him another bona fide playmaker. LeBron, when he feels like he's on the court, like everything revolves around LeBron. He's making passes, he's making plays, he's scoring, right? He's making AD look great. Well, when Rondo's on the court, he's doing essentially the same thing that Bron is doing. Last night, he was making shots. He had 21 points, nine assists, only three turnovers. Uh, that two-to-one turnover ratio is incredible for a guy like Rondo who's missed so much time and you go to see how imperative he is going to be on this Lakers run due to his ability to facilitate and lead, Keyshawn. Him talking to everybody it, is special. If you remember when they were getting ready to play Portland, I kept saying he's going to come back. I'm not worried about him. I, I, a guy like that who's a veteran who continuously does the same thing over and over and over, this is what you're going to get. He understands the big picture. He understands it's the playoffs, the magnitude of the particular game that he's playing in. Certain guys just rise to that level. Um, and I think it's the experience, number one. He's been there, done it before. And you can you see it every single time in the playoffs. I mean, that's just why he has the nickname. So 
I think, though, when you, you look at it, when they've struggled, a lot of the times it's because he wasn't there. And people say, oh, man, he's an awful shooter. Don't worry about that. It'll come around. Everything is not going to be as smooth and clean as a LeBron or an AD or maybe even a James Harden. But buckets will fall if he continues to do it, and that's what he's been doing. Well, the basketball IQ is off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that you worry about when it comes to Russell Westbrook is what pace is he playing at? Because a lot of times he looks so frenetic. <laughs> he's playing so fast. You almost feel like his body is moving faster than his brain is, is calibrating what he's going into. Last night, I don't remember. I think it was the first quarter. Man, he shot through the, he shot through the cup, but he Dang. was moving so – but the ball was already gone. The ball had you know, essentially uh, went out of his hands, and he was like trying to make a layup. I'm like, man, the ball is in the first row. And that's what you get as it relates to a gift – for Rondo, he's always under control. He's poised. He lets the play develop instead of him making the play. He lets the play reveal himself, and he makes the simple play. You know, in basketball, there's this terminology that we always say, like, Zubin, if you try to thread a needle every single I'm like, look, man, kiss. Like, kiss means keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> right? Keep it simple. You hear it all the time in basketball. And that's what Rajon Rondo does. Just keeps it simple. Yeah, and, and when his shot is not falling, he doesn't get shy and stop shooting. He just shoots into the falls and get in the rhythm, and he kisses. Yeah, that's what it there is. There it is. That's what we call Mwah. it. Kissing. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Stupid. Yes. <laughs> Dad, that last Basketball one. terminology, man. This dude's been in the league 13 years, and the thing that I wanted to kind of ask you, Jay, is because, look, in Boston, there were some is really good times. 13? 13 it years in the league. Feels a lot longer, it don't feels it? feels a lot longer. Rolled in 06, 07 out of Kentucky. Um, you know, he had some great moments in Boston, some not-so-great moments. Obviously, the Lakers situation is pretty new. Kind of played his way out of Sacramento, wasn't great in Chicago, had some problems in Dallas, also played with the Pelicans. Um, what do you take – you want to say something there? No, I was going to say in Chicago in the playoffs, he did okay, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, decent. So one year there. But he's also not worked in other spots. Like, how are they making sure that they can get the best out of a guy who has sort of played his way off a couple teams? I think Braun really helps it. Like, you know, um, I always hear these stories. You know, obviously, Jason Kidd is on that staff as well. So I want you to think about this for a second. There, there, there's some players you're around that can talk. I'm sure you, you have this in football, Key. Players that just talk schemes and you're like, Yo, what, what, what language are y'all talking yeah. right now? Uh-huh. Right? Like, that's what you'll get on the same roster when you have Jason Kidd, LeBron James, and Rajon Rondo. Like, you have elevated minds who are thinking not just what are we going to do as it relates to our first quarter possessions, and what are we doing defensive scheme-wise, uh, but also how are we activating other players that we need to activate throughout these same schemes? How do we get people involved? Like, it's every single detail in the possession, and that's what Rondo does. So I, I do think, look, Rondo was a different Rondo when he was with Doc Rivers and Paul Pierce and, you know, Ray Allen and those teams, KKG. Mm-hmm. I think now what you get is a fine season Rondo that also understands his role on this team but is still extremely motivated to win a championship. And I think him playing with LeBron and having Jason Kidd and Frank Vogel, who's really good at different defensive schemes, that's his bread and butter. And, he, right? and he's a veteran guy. It works well together. You know, you mentioned stops in Sacramento. As great as you are, Zubin, and everything that you do, and as nice as you are, Sacramento will drive you crazy <laughs> with those teams he was on. Think about it. In, in the Pelicans, he did fine with the Pelicans. Chicago, he was okay in that one year. So a lot of times you get – the narrative set on your career and people automatically just write and say and believe that that's what it is. Clearly that's not the case. I remember last year being in LA Rondo 
sat on the scorer's table at the end of the bench, like kind of, I don't know what it was the end of the season or something. He just sat there and they tried to make a national media, tried to make a huge story out of it. Why is he sitting over there? It's like, dude, he's done that a million times. Now all of a sudden they're having a bad year. You're trying to make it seem as though he's a problem. The Lakers aren't going to re-sign him. That didn't happen. Well, it's interesting, too, Jimmy Butler. So, two guys, similar, interesting demeanors right. to a degree. Like, if you're not winning, like, Rondo's guys, like, what the hell are we doing here? That same, that's if you how, ain't trying to win, if you ain't trying to compete, I'm the same way. I, Zubin, there's I'm a the difference between way. working hard and competing. Yeah. Like, I can push you to work hard. I can give you a set confine of drills to work hard. You going out and competing every day? It's a different mindset. That's in, what Rondo wants in, you to do. Putting in all this damn work and you sitting over there being lazy. Real quick, Celtics Raptors tonight. Who you got? Celtics. I got Celtics. Clippers Nuggets. Clippers. Clippers. We'll see you tomorrow with James Franklin, Lou Riddick, Tom Herman, and eh, Boomer. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.